just a little short meditation to try to get us into the zone we're looking at. So uh, if you're in an opportune moment to sit and relax, feet on the ground or laying down, I want you to start taking breaths in your nose, out your mouth, regulating your breathing, soft, in your nose, out of your mouth. As you begin to get comfortable in the breathing pattern, I want you to take the breath in a little longer, hold it for just a moment, and exhale just a little deeper. Feel yourself dropping into your heart space, relaxing down, feeling grounded. Note that your heart is beating slower, more steady, relaxed. Now I wanna ask you some questions. And inside of these questions, I want you to let your imagination run wild. I want you to ask yourself, who are you when nobody is looking? Who would you like to be? Take a moment to envision your ideal life. What does it look like? What colors are prominent? Who are the people in your life? Now imagine being in this existence entirely. I want you to look back and think what steps led you to this place? What is it that you surrendered to get here? What is it that you've gained? As you breathe and you imagine this ideal existence, know that this is quite promising and available to you. Take your breaths in and out, filled with color, filled with the people you love, filled with the existence you deserve. And ask yourself one more time, what can I do to reach this place? Now take breaths in your nose, out of your mouth, slowly feeling the ground beneath you, beginning to feel your body. Breathe in and out. When you're ready, Open your eyes. Thanks, Danielle. That was um, really lovely and grounding. And um, it's a really nice meditation to be leading us really nicely into the topic we're going to talk about tonight. Right. Which is I would go. I had wondered why I had written that out today. And oh. then as we're talking, you know, as we do prior and kind of 
which I don't think our audience knows that we don't sit and come up with a game plan before every podcast we free flow. Yeah. And we spend, you know, as long as we choose prior to recording. Um, and then when we hit the topic, we'll know. And then it just kind of starts flowing from there and we push the record. So I thought it was interesting that I had written this out today. And then you and I were talking about letting go. And you said, let's do a meditation. And I was like, I think I have one. <laughs> so it worked out. Uh, and that's, yeah. And what's interesting is, um, you know, the meditation is really thinking about the self that you want to be, how you want to be in your life and the kind of life you want to create. And then the process is what we surrender and let go of in order for that to happen. And, and that can mean a whole number of things, can't yeah. it? Yeah, it really can. Um, surrendering isn't always about releasing a thing or a person. A lot of times surrendering is surrendering to the knowing that you are going to be guided in the right direction, surrendering your need to control or manipulate things to get what you want or where you want. And um, we find surrendering to be giving up without realizing that every time we surrender into spirit, we are always receiving a minimum threefold back anything that we've let go of. And it's a really good way to remember that when you're in the process of surrendering, there's always something greater beyond that surrender. And it always seems to ease my fear of mm. what I might lose, because I know that through consistency, I have been proven wrong and I'm always receiving much more than I've let go of. I think it's interesting as well. I, there's a couple of things you highlight there um, because one relates to a sort of uh, process of me starting to understand what surrendering can really mean at one stage. But like you say, um, the key thing is if people hear that, maybe they all react in the way that we've reacted in the past, which is does surrendering mean letting go and it activates the fear of loss because of course loss and grief is one of the most uh, profound and deeply um, difficult experiences for a lot of people to go through and so the fear that arises is it, it, we're not always aware of that fear and sometimes people are aware of um, the potential to lose uh, a partner in that you split up or the fear that you're going to split up or the fear that um, you're moving away from your family so you're not going to uh, have what you had which is part of the process of loss because loss isn't just um, synonymous with with death it, it's a whole range of things but surrender um, I think sometimes it's a difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around about what that means. But what we know is if we do want to go towards a life, sometimes people hang on to things because they think, well, if I let go of these and there's nothing, what am I surrendering to? Um, or the lack of hope and trust that something will come along or you will meet someone or be guided towards something that takes you one step further towards your dream and your dreams don't always look like the dreams that you've imagined in your head they can change form like what we was talking about earlier you know yeah. um, we'd both talked about having some kind of 
platform or um, way of sharing the knowledge and skills and tools that we've got over the years. But we wouldn't have even been able for a moment to dream that you could do it online. You know, I didn't know I was going to be able to have online meetings all the time until last year because Zoom had to be invented. Windows Teams had to be invented so we can have a dream and we can only create that dream according to what our minds can uh, construct but we can only construct what we've been familiar with so when we're thinking about what we want or we're thinking about the situations that we're in about whether we want some of those things or not our minds can only construct it through our prior experience through our history so the dream to hold is amazing and this idea that say like me and you were talking earlier you know we have this desire um, for everyone to be able to access tools advice information that can really start to help them live the lives that fulfill them that feel satisfying and good to them whatever that is but the the mechanism in which we thought we were going to be able to do that we tried And sometimes it worked for a particular time, but it didn't continue to work. Just as we can walk into situations that look like they're working and look like they are thriving for the people that's involved or the job looks like the best job. And then there comes a stage where things change or the situation changes or feeling about it changes. Right. Like the masks come off and the truth begins to reveal. And it's nothing like what you had initially walked into because once those masks are removed, you can't help but see that truth. And and then that's the stage of, you know, do I continue this and fix or do I let go and move forward? And that's a really tough one for a lot of people, isn't it? Especially if we look at that in the context of um, relationships, mainly, you know, romantic or love relationships, even though we can love our friends, you know, sort of um, the slight difference, but um, how, how we can really like there's several processes that are going on, isn't there? That, you know, when you meet somebody or you go to a job or you're in a new relationship there's a forming of attachments and a forming of energetic connections that we have with the people and the things and the experiences that we're having. And sometimes we don't realize that our desire to remain involved in that is just the, the, the brain's, um, the, the faculty of the mind to keep you involved in something that's familiar and safe. Well, the ego loves familiar. Yeah. It's comfortable there. Otherwise it sends up these fear signals that says it's not going to work. This isn't going to happen for you. If you leave this, you are never going to have this experience again. Yeah, You're not going to have a great relationship. You you might not find friends. What if you don't find a job? What if um, you don't, you know, you can't move and you're stuck in, and it's all of the, all of those different mind uh, thoughts that come through that can often before we've even allowed ourselves to entertain what we want and the dream that we have right and and even uh trust that that is something we can even reach for yeah we stay in the situation that is familiar and familiar Yeah. yeah I agree with that it makes it um you know as a person who finds it tough to let go I've stayed too long 
in, in any situation, be it friendships or career choices or relationships with a significant other and, and, and just hold on even beyond my comfort levels, even when I knew it was time to, to move forward in one aspect or another, I would find myself just grasping onto what I knew because it's familiar. And if you're a person that goes through a lot of changes in your life, which most of us are, we might not all acknowledge it. Oh, that was funny. I have, um, I have children and they were deciding to have a a, a fit, if you will, a tantrum over a piece of chocolate. So, yeah. so now that we're back, um, you know, so when we, we all go through a level of change in our existence on a, cons on a consistent, it's a consistent process. There is change yeah. is inevitable. And when we hold on to things, the way that they are, we're not allowing the gift of what can be could be yeah yeah exactly and you know going back to the the meditation we have a tendency as a as a human to sit in the past right we want to discover our past we want to do our shadow work we want to revisit our childhood mm. past lives yesterday um when we're feeling really honored and and sacred in what we're doing we sit in the present right we were able to meditate in the present. We find ourselves in this beautiful gift, but sometimes it requires us to look into the future and our future self holds a lot of information for us. And we have access to the future self, just the way we do our past self. And if you ask your future self, what it is that you, you are, what you should know that what it is that you're going to be, you'd be amazed at the answers mm. that you're going to receive. And these clarity moments are going to come through for us of, you know, what it is that you can be now, then that requires you to be open to change, to be open to the alignment it takes. We talk about manifestation all the time in our podcasts. And part of that is aligning yourself to this future dream that you have. Yeah, You're going to manifest yeah. it. How do yeah. you get there? Well, you might not be in alignment. So you've got to find your alignment. What do you do to do that? Sometimes you have to let things go. You have to let go of this image of what you've decided everything should be and mm. allow that, um, that divine flow to interact with your vision and, and surprise you at how much bigger or how more, much more amazing or even different these things can be. And part of that process is the letting go of these aspects that you feel you require to get there. I think, um, you've touched on something interesting because there's, as you say, this, the past, the present and the future. And so the process of letting go and visualizing this sort of desired future. And before I sort of come in with what are the different uh, sort of methods we can use to do that, because it sits across hypnotherapy and NLP and coaching, and they are future paced, future forward processes that take you to a desired future and bring you back to the present so that you're almost creating, whether it's a spiritual level, a neurological level, um, a system uh, that 
can help enable that process. But what? But there are so many different things that prevent us from either being able to do that, to visualize that. And often it's around the concept of, of how we are already defining ourselves. Mm. You know, is it our gender? You know, only women can do this and men can do that. Is it our beliefs and values? Is our beliefs, you know, people from backgrounds like me can't have this future or you need to have loads of money in order to have that big house or, you know, um, is it past history about the type of situations you've you've been in so if you live in a particular type of house in a particular type of area that is what you know and I remember um when I was growing up and I got to around 18 and I'd never our family didn't uh, really have any money so I'd never been abroad and I'd been to a couple of parts of the UK um and we didn't have TV back then like we've got TV now so you know, you were limited in terms of what kind of information came to you that showed you a different world. And so I didn't know what worlds, and I'll say the world, uh, say in terms of worlds were available. What I mean is maybe different cultural contexts and groups and different landscapes and scenarios. So I didn't know what was available, but I kind of knew that where I was wasn't what I wanted anymore. Mm. And yet I had no idea of where I was heading but when I took the first step and bought myself a bus ticket and got myself a job in an area that was about 200 miles away which I'd never been to I just trusted that process and I arrived at this area and I I then went on this journey of moving from place to place but what I was opened up to was all of these possibilities of lifestyles and ways of being the ways that people communicate either through accents or language the different ways that people dress the different visions they hold for themselves so people grew up in fishing villages were used to bringing in the fish those that grew up on farmland families would have generations of them that had grown up you know toiling the land those that grew up in industrial areas saw themselves possibly going into the industrialized world and yet not realizing that any one of these uh, and and more and many many more as you know some people go to university and they end up getting a job on wall street or you know in the city of london and they become accountants and bankers and they might have some kind of idea of where that trajectory takes them when they step on that path but usually it's first just making a decision and either you know um, and they say this in NLP is often we know what we don't want, but very few people know what they do want. So often we're moving away from what we don't want, but we can be so busy looking back at what we don't want. We're not even looking forward to see what we'd like to create and whether or not the idea of that will manifest or look in the way that we have um, thought it could uh, the the real thing that's going on is we've now set an intention to move in the direction of the desired future and to move in in the direction of things that will give us that sense of what you get whenever you start doing something that that's new so you're in a new relationship and you feel joy and excitement and happiness and you know all of those great feelings that course 
through us when we're doing something that we we chose to do or we get a new job and we're excited because we're learning new stuff or we go traveling and we're going to a new country and it's all that novelty and that experience and there's lots of joy in that and then at some stage you know you either want to go back home and you know eat the food that you've been eating for the last 20 years because you miss home cooking or you want to move on and do something else and so the idea of letting go isn't necessarily uh letting go into an oblivion or into a right into a desolate space but it can feel like that especially when you don't know what you want to do well yeah and you know you said it just just right you know we we're focused on removing the things that we don't want in our lives anymore but that is letting go you know and yeah the key to that is to allow that cord to cut that 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 attachment to that past the things that you no longer want and you're moving away from being okay with that yeah and be okay with that and say i don't this isn't fitting me anymore you know i was I did photography. We've talked about this a few times. I did photography and I really was doing quite well. I was, you know, considering the type of photography I was doing in the location I was doing it. Um, I was very, I'm very forward. I'm very future in where photography is now in the, in the state that I live in. And, uh, so I was starting to get really on this momentum and I got a studio and, uh, or they were building a studio. And, um, so my mom passed away. I got the keys to the studio and three new kids. Right. And so during this process, something kept telling me you're, you're not going to be a photographer anymore. Not yeah. that you're not going to love photography, not that you're not going to might bring your camera out one day, but this is no longer your career. And I fought against it because I told myself, this is the grief talking. It's this is the depression for. talking. It's how much work you've put in. Look at how much I've invested myself in. Yeah. And now I'm paying a monthly rent plus electric plus, you know, this and that. And, and I've studied and I've done all of these things, you know, Photoshop is not easy. So (laughs) I've got the gnat and what's the gnat doing? Why'd you bring a gnat into my view? (laughs) (laughs) That's Um, a real gnat, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And then I I, talked about last time. Yes. Yes. The gnat in the orc field. Um, and then I realized one day that I was just unhappy doing the same things that once brought me joy Uh, Yeah, and that it was okay to let go of this thing that shadow or my photography really put me through my shadow work. Uh, my dark night of my soul was really expressed fluidly through my photography. And once I recognized that. I realized that I was no longer in that place where I had to create through this, this portrait example that I am now creating in a different way. And so the release was about a year. It took me about a year to fully accept that this was no longer my career path. Mm -hmm. I would, I would pick up, um, family photo shoots or which is not my type of shoot anyway, or just like here's and there's, and it would really start showing how much I wasn't creatively invested in what I once gave my all to. And, uh, it was much easier to let go then, but if I hadn't have dragged it on the way I did, perhaps I would have stepped forward a little faster, but because I allowed myself to grieve the process Mm. and to let go in the way that I needed to let go of something that was so pure to me. So, it it evoked things inside of me that I had never felt before. Um, the ideas, the creative energy that would, 
blossom inside of a, you know, a, an idea that turned into a photo shoot that now turned into a print that's being shared, you know, by, by people and, and allowing myself to grieve that process that all of that hard work I had put in, it just allowed me to acknowledge myself that mm-hmm. it wasn't a waste of time, that it wasn't all for naught, that it, there was purpose in that part of my journey, but that journey was not my destination. And to acknowledge that my destination was much larger and much different than this journey had been up till now, this, this doing photography, being creative in that sense and releasing that to up, to open myself up to sacrificing this piece that no longer fit me to opening my creative, this creative palette up in a new way has allowed this space to enter into what we're Mm -hmm. doing. And in the way I'm thinking about uh, the creative ways that I'm thinking about producing um, these new ideas, these new revelations that come to me would have never been there had I kept the space closed off because I was insistent that the way that because I did all of this work and because I put in all this time and effort and because I'm paying money every month to a studio, I had to do it Mm. because I told everybody that's a good one because Mm. I let everybody know that this was my goal. Yeah. So then Then, it's hard then. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm a failure, you know? And so now you have to worry about that. And, and the reality is you have to fail in order to succeed, nobody succeeds their first try, you know, and it doesn't matter if that's a thought or something massive. Um, but it is, you know, we have to have these trial and errors to get to the place that you, you want to be and just comes to find out that I'm a creative being. And I just have all of these outlets of creativity and photography, although it will always have a very special place in my heart is no longer the, the, it's no longer holds the validity in my creative space the way it once did so but that's fascinating because that really illustrates all of those different facets that we were talking about earlier and that we've started to cover now which is the idea is you know you had a very strong idea about what you wanted to do and you made that happen and you were successful and you were you were doing that for ages Um, And then started to allow yourself to admit, because we can often know, and it can be a tiny voice or it can be a really big voice, but allow yourself to admit that actually it's not really giving me the the joy and passion that originally was. Mm -hmm. Then you have to wrangle with the, but I've paid all this money and I've done all this work and I've studied all this stuff. And what was interesting, and I've, I've had similar conversations with people that I know, whether that's professionals or, or friends that, just because you realized it at that moment that it's actually not the right thing and that possibly you are moving on and you're going to let it go doesn't mean to say that at that moment you do that and I think what you've illustrated really beautifully is often there is a process of days weeks some people will make a decision straight away and that's it Um, but for others they can wrangle over or feel like they're wrangling over a decision for years about something that they're actually not that satisfied or happy with because it contains all those elements. It contains who I think I am, how I identify myself, myself through what I do, who else is involved in this, you know, am I trying to get, um, validation or, uh, recognition or all these things that we can get through external sources 
do I think I'm letting myself down or is it that if I don't do this anymore, am I going to feel like, you know, uh, I didn't stick with something, therefore I'm not successful? Or is it actually this is all just wishy-washy rubbish we tell ourselves because deep down we're scared of growing and deep down we're scared of really allowing ourselves to let go of the control to figure out what the universe should look like and what it can deliver and what we're entitled to exactly and entitlement is a thing you know but it's in the beauty of it is it's Mm. not a negative trait when you have something that you hold dear be it a relationship a career or you know a a prized possession um it's okay to love those things and it's okay to grieve it as it leaves um but it's even better to recognize that it's all perspective and what I felt at the beginning was a failure and it wasn't going to be, it wasn't successful because I walked away from it. Mm. When I look at it now, I I was very successful. I set out to do certain things and the end result I wanted was a studio of my very own. Mm. I got the studio of my very own. I continued doing these beautiful creative artwork pieces that I did through my vision of it. And yeah. if that's not success, just exactly. because it's not on a, on a fame scale or on this massive monetary value scale, it doesn't make it any less successful. I well, got you, out. Exactly you got the return on exactly what it was. So you got the return on exactly what it was actually that you had wanted it to look like yes. because your end point was getting the studio. Yeah. And you got, you arrived at that point. And I didn't force the studio. The studio was then in the natural progression of what was happening. I was bringing in enough money mm. to carry the studio and, and feel justified in doing so. Um, but once, as soon as that happened, of course, there was all these, you know, outside the universe knows exactly what it's doing. And it knew that I was going to need all of these things in order to propel me into what my actual destined path was. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm hardheaded, but um, yeah. I will, I will say that it is okay to grieve the things that you once held dear. It is okay to say, exactly. I loved this thing that I held on to. And I'm now, as I remember after my mom passed and we got the boys, I remember telling people I'm grieving this life that I thought I was going to have. Yeah. That I'm at, you know, as much as I am grieving for the loss of my mother, I'm also grieving for this life that I had. You were gonna, yeah. Yeah. Cause I had worked really hard to get to that place. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, things come along and life changes And I had to learn how to let go of the things that were no longer available to me. I was having to reach harder. I was having to bend my value system. And by that, I don't mean ethical. I mean, the way I chose to do photography, the the type of artistry I was doing wasn't your basic, most of the time, you'll see that if you ever look through my photography, you'll see that I did family portraits but you will always see the difference between my family portraits and my artwork because of what spoke to me. And I would reach out and I was starting to do family portraits again. And that's when I knew that if I was willing to make sacrifices on what spoke to me 
and mm-hmm. I'm just going to put subpar workout, then maybe, and then complain the whole time as I'm editing, mm-hmm. then maybe this wasn't for me anymore. And I needed to allow myself to change, evolve, and let go of this aspect that I once held so dearly to who I was and what I represented. And the thing is, is that that's part of the, um, Pro, uh, programming almost that we we're all party to which is you know you start something and almost li- like you, you know you go to university for four years and then you're meant to go into the field because you studied x at university or you really wanted to do that job and everyone's like you really wanted that job in two years down the line and what I've realized um, and I think again this has been a progression in terms of human evolution certainly in the western world of people don't start a job at 16 making tea and in two years time if they're lucky you know a photocopying and then five years time they might be lucky to be typing letters up for the boss and in another 10 years time they're managing a you know a service and then they're 65 and they get a watch and they leave that process doesn't happen anymore and people would work hard and study and study and study for doing that one thing and and that still happens in some parts of business because that needs to happen in some parts but also um for some industries now you can go in and we learn we've got so much access to information we can learn something so quickly that we've learned it absorbed it and um delivered on that or utilize that information in a certain way and then probably as we've spoke before we okay what next and and we we go and with the flow scary. of how yeah how fast that goes yeah. so it's um it's a real tricky process for a lot of people because identifying where you're at who you are is an even tougher one especially if who you've been has been defined through family friends and you've never really sat down and really reflected is some of my dissatisfaction and depression or anxiety actually linked with me doing lots of things that don't actually I don't light me up don't bring me joy or I just don't get the satisfaction out of it and then sometimes you need to make a decision okay this is my plan for the next year I'm going to earn this money I don't absolutely love it but I'm now going to make a decision to start heading towards things that are going to do that because you can transition just as you can take time to grieve you can take time to transition towards your next thing but it's really difficult for people and I think as we have talked to other points that's letting go of dreams and ideas of what we thought we should be pursuing it gets even tougher when we start thinking about people and relationships mm-hmm. of yeah. what we've invested in and right. whether or not we should continue to invest in that. Um, and then making a, making a decision that feels like it works because right. often one person makes a decision that works for them and it doesn't work uh, for the person that they're with and one person will hold on and one person will easily let go. Um, so I think any one of those, uh, processes or situations that we're looking at through through a deeper lens Mm -hmm. can feel like a real struggle and it's only possibly as I've got older I've realized and I had a conversation just about this today where I realized I've always been 
and I think we both share this these similar features I've always been creative mm-hmm. um, but the creativity was often separate from the work I was doing then as yeah. the creativity started to emerge through the work I was doing I was creating things but didn't think I was being creative because I didn't I thought being creative was just an artist you know not just but um you know that's where the I know creativity, exactly what you mean yeah yeah it only that's, went inside of the artist exactly <laughs> whereas yeah. I would be drawing up plans to I don't know create uh, a project for kids uh, to help them with social skills or something like that. And I'd read a few books, draw the information, draw it up and then set it up. So was creating that process for ages. What took me a long time to uh, click into place was realizing I couldn't do them forever once I'd done them several times. And so it was only when I was talking to a colleague today where I said, now I, I can create and design a bit, uh, you know, a business concept or a, a a program or a project, and I know all the different facets I need to bring in, and I will help make sure that it starts off like that. Then I don't want to be that involved with it. And in the past, I used to think that was me being a little bit like uh, detached. And when you when you do some lines of work attachment is is the feature so to not get attached and not care so much looks like you don't care but it's not right. it's just right. do, do you and get yeah. difficult and you you are correct because you know creatively I mean I was I, there was one point where I had a job in um, customer resolution at a mortgage company so if your right. mortgage went bad you know something happened throughout the process you know you called me and, uh, you would have to get creative in the way you spoke to people, the way that you, uh, you explained the situation and you, you don't think about it as being creative, but the reality is, is you could have gone off of this little sheet that has the go-to answers on any, pretty much any question, but that sounds less than heartfelt. And if you're in customer resolution, you need to get a little creative in the way that you explain things to people so that they feel understood and heard mm-hmm. and that they're not just a number, even if they are just a number, the reality is, is nobody wants to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so you have to become creative in that way. And so every avenue that we walk, every job that we hold every relationship that we're in if you're a creative spirit it if you take a step back you'll look at how you've creatively designed something the way you've mm-hmm. learned to adapt and make it beautiful in your own in your own way and and allow yourself to take on that understanding that you are the magic that that it's not the place that you're at. It's not the job that you're holding. It's not the relationship you're in. Yeah. It's you, you, you're the magic in that. And so that, that magic isn't working. You need to ask yourself why and, and what it is that we need to, to change in order to get there. You know, you were talking about, um, finishing, you know, we always feel like we have to complete. Well, that goes all the way back to childhood. I mean, I remember being in sports and you had to finish the season or you had to finish that six months that mom bought in tumbling, or you had to, you know, whatever it was, you had to complete that. And you and- to make sure you wore that, um, sports outfit until it didn't fit anymore then you could leave and then you can go but I just spent x dollar amount and you're going to do it and so we're going to wear that yeah and so we've been conditioning our children along you know we've been conditioned for generations of you 
you start, you finish what you start and you feel like you're not a successful human being, that you're not a, a reliable human being or that you're just, um, maybe not all there all the time, human being, if you, if you start and then stop something, because you say, this is no longer serving a purpose. I thought it was going to, because we're conditioned to believe this, that we have to like, you go for some reason, we are convinced that even though our frontal lobe isn't fully developed, that we should know exactly what we want to do for the rest of our life and go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it. Oh my goodness, you know, and this is probably a, a, a beautiful topic in its own right in another show. Um, but I remember, and 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 again, going back to your point about envisaging the future, um, for years, you know, at school, after school, fluking through every job that I did and I'd enjoy the job and I was, I was earning money or whatever, you know, I could never really come up with a goal or an idea of what I wanted or a direction I was heading. And again, it was probably, I don't know, maybe five years ago or something. I just came to, I I took myself off the hook and I said, there's some people who do that and it works for a certain amount of time. And then maybe they change their career trajectory. I think very few stay on exactly the same path forever, but me no, I'd, I I probably was just about, I take a few steps, a few things unfold. It works for X amount of time and it's different for each person, right. thing, situation, job, whatever. And so it was about, a tr- it was about trusting uh, the process. When it stopped working, was that actually when I was trying to uh, interfere with it to some degree because I'd learned all these skills about you know bringing in coaching ideas and all of that this sort of uh, self-coaching me towards a direction now actually looking back that part wasn't wrong what it was right. I was trying to construct it according to my my very limited understanding about what was possible just as like I was saying earlier, you know, not for one moment did I ever, ever think I would be doing any video calls based on hating it when I originally went to college and and having to record our sessions and then video them and then watching them and then writing an essay about it and regurgitating it for the next six months. You know, it was <laughs> it was a horrible situation. But, by then to go through so I associated yeah I associated any idea of doing anything online or uh video calls or anything like that with what originally and again that's the other thing isn't it is we can have we can have bad experiences doing certain things in the past just as a lot of the parents I've come into contact with really struggled to support their kids at school or get involved in homework because they had difficult situations in their own education so they either didn't complete schooling themselves or they're not confident going to confront some of the school issues with the with the teachers and that because they experience bullying or whatever and and that's uh, triggered every time they go into that setting so we can then assume that something that looks like that which is what your brain does it brings up something similar uh, to go no don't do that don't step in that direction so that you panic and freeze and go no no obviously I'm panicking and freezing so this isn't meant for me yeah rather than realizing well it's not the same anymore I'm not the same person that I was um 15 years ago yeah 
That is definitely a key and see, and so you had kind of taken steps in directions until they no longer worked. And then you would find your manifest a new path and, and start on that. And I didn't realize until not too long ago that I have always known that I was going to be talking and, and, you know, even when they would ask you as a child, I'd be like, I'm going to be an attorney. And then, you know, cause I love debating. And then I, re I remember having these dreams or these daydreams, if you will, of being on talk shows or in being the host of the talk show. And I had through experiences and conditioning behaviors, I had talked myself out of ever. I could never, I don't have the look. I don't have the voice. I don't wow. have the attitude. I don't have this. I don't have the money to get me started. Oh, I had yeah. kids early. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I didn't. And when you convince yourself that you are not capable of something because of a fear, mm. I typically tell people to go ahead and examine that a little deeper because that fear is probably going to be part of your dream. And, and if you look at that fear and you examine <laughs> that fear on a deeper level, a lot of mine was, I knew a lot of what I was going to have to say was not going to sit well with certain groups of people I found myself friends with. And I allowed myself to let their thoughts and my conditioning keep me from doing something I am a natural at something that I, you know, my gift yeah. and, and I just kept shutting it down. And when I began to look at my future self, my future self is always in front of people. My future self is always telling, you know, talking to people about how you can be empowered, how you can do this for yourself. And, and how I wasn't going to get there through photography. I wasn't going to get there through being, you know, in a mortgage company. I wasn't going to be there through managing restaurants. You know, that was going to have to be something that I had to take on and, and experience myself in a new way to get to. And so I had to face those fears and I had to let go of those past experiences and recognize that I'm not that person anymore. I'm not the person that, that shies away from negative comments. I'm not the person that allows toxicity in my life to, to fester any longer. I I've, you know, and, and that that's okay to have been that person because I didn't know any better, but now that I know yeah. better, I, I'm, I now have a new set of dreams. I have a new set of goals. I have a new reality to set up in place for myself. And yeah. to do that, I have to let go of those remaining pieces that kept me stuck there saying, I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to be enough. And even if you can hold on to the ideal or the dream, the destination that you've got in mind, it doesn't take very long if you've got people around you that have got some vested interest in you staying the same mm -hmm. and changing in any way. It doesn't take long for their influences, even the way that, because some people could just look at you and they don't have to say anything. And it's already uh, disarmed you in some way. Uh, Especially if you're, forward. if you're empath empathic and you can yeah. really feel, uh, you can read a room is how I call yeah. it. You're the type of person that can read a room you've experienced a person that doesn't want to see you grow. And that could be unconsciously. A lot of these people don't even realize that they're doing this. So yeah. it's not you against them. It's really you against yourself because people are very unaware of the way they present themselves. So that yeah. we can read your thought pattern based on the expression on your face. And we can feel what you're thinking based off of how we're feeling now. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to get weighed down by other people's perceived opinion of you 
and then allow one person's opinion that match that perceived opinion mm-hmm. and now it's just that's fact and that's that and yeah that's, especially yeah. if you're somebody that relies on a lot of external information because you can be internally validating which you can validate yourself or proportion of people will rely on external validation but they're relying on the wrong sources of of people and situations to validate that because often really you need people around you that are have sort of already started going in the direction sometimes that you want to go in because the other ones, yes, mo- a lot of it is unconscious. Yes, people don't realize they're doing it. Um, and often their fears are, you know, if you change, that might mean I'm going to now start looking at my own life and checking out whether or not my life is satisfying. And oh my goodness, you might force me to think about things and do being something. yourself yeah. can cause a lot of people to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is part of what we have to accept that, yeah. you know, when I look at people that have manifested their big dreams, when I really pay attention and I, I maybe catch a bio, you know, a, a biography real quick, a quick little bio of what their life was. They all have a very similar structure. And that's was, I chose myself over another person's opinion. Mm. I chose myself over the conditioning of my childhood. I chose myself over the expectations that maybe a, a parent or a, a relationship had. And, and knowing that that is the consistency behind everything, you know, um, I have a friend that calls it the, the movement of selfishly selfless. Mm-hmm. And, and in order to become selfless, sometimes you have to be a little more selfish with your time, your energy, and what your dreams are going to be. Now, I do have questions about, you know, this process of letting go through, uh, you know, the psychology standpoint, what is it that you would say the process would be of letting the beginnings of letting go when you realize that maybe when you start to, you wake up, you have this awakening, right? The awakening being this career, this relationship, this is this, this, whatever this path is, is no longer, it's not serving me and you can feel it. What is that? What did, from a psychology point of view, what would be your next step or thought process? I think, um, first of all, it's record helping some or, or enabling somebody to start realizing where are they on the cycle of change? Mm. So, uh, the idea of the cycle of change is the first step is people can just be unconscious, not aware of what's going on, but they're feeling something, um, they're not happy, they might, and and this can be short-lived or it can be something they felt for a long time. And sometimes it's much harder um, to really ascertain what that's about because the longer you've lived a life in a particular way, the more it looks like your everyday normality. And even if it's been different, you can have forgotten that you actually existed in different ways. Because once you've been in a situation a long time, especially if if it's more destructive, it will chip away at your personality and any remnants of self-esteem and sense of, a sense of self you've got. And the more that that happens, the more vulnerable you are to the interpretations and opinions of the other people around you. So firstly, it's if you're, wor- if you're working with someone, it's really about 
what is it that they're sharing with you in in their story that indicates whether or not they've just started to become aware that there are some shifts taking place what is that awareness like for them is that evoking some fear and anxiety is it evoking curiosity and excitement is it evoking um internal thought processes of well that's ridiculous I can't do that surely no you know I made and so there'll be a whole range of different processes so as looking at that externally that's what I'd be interested in because it's very easy to be on the um on the other end objectively listening and witnessing what someone's sharing with you um but and I've made this, and again, I talked last time, I've made the mistake before, is just because someone started to identify something doesn't mean to say that when you hand them the ticket for the plane ride they've always wanted or the or the trip to the studio or whatever, that they're going to take you up on it, even right. if they really think that they want that. Right. So there's, a, it, there's that process. So where are they on the cycle of change? Are they aware? Are they... Are they starting to get some clues and indicators where it can happen fast? And I've seen this time and time again in my work is when a crisis occurs. Hmm. So people generally go to the GP when something gets worryingly, um, uh, they get more and more worried about what it is that they're experiencing or seeing happening to their body or to their mind, will take them to the GP. There's a crunch point. It's like a tipping point. At that point, they're then ready to share what it is that they're starting to notice they become more aware of. Um, Other crises can be car accidents, losing your job, losing your house. What I'm really keen to help people do is it doesn't have to to get to that point. Some things you can't control. Other things we can we can divert that, we can uh, shift the path before we end up uh, going in that direction. So what is it uh, that they need some help with? Did they need to see some of what the signs are telling them? You know, that they might have had several relationships where they've all ended up being um, maybe abusive or um, or quite quickly they've got dissatisfied. So let's unpack that really quickly and see how you're ending up in that situation so we can almost like take a different route on the motorway you know right. and then it's almost you. like they're at a fork in a road right then anyways you know like that that moment yeah. of clarity requires a fork in the road and you make that decision at that crossroads point it can be it can yeah. be it can be over a number of years especially yeah. if you've been in a relationship a long time that's often the tough ones other people, you see, we've all got different standards and we've all got different beliefs and values. So what is the crunch point that leads somebody to make a change in their life that moves them on to a different path uh, and possibly the path that they should have been on? Because I don't think we're ever on the wrong path, but we might stay in a particular situation doing something for a while that's just not feeding our soul anymore because we don't realize actually we've outgrown it and we should move on. So it's different points for different people. So first of all, it's what are they aware of? What are we noticing? And if we're noticing it, it's no good feeding it back if they're not even receptive to it. But so at that point, it might be they just need to talk through in a non-judgmental way with no opinions and no advice of tell me more about, tell me more. Because what happens is, is even just the verbal process of sharing um, what it is you're experiencing 
allows there's something organic that starts then allows the forefront of information to come forward you release that that's part of the releasing process then well isn't there what i can't remember the term but it's like uh if it's once it's seen it it changes the property changes for yeah. yeah. So they say that in research. Yeah. yeah. The, so no matter what, if, if you get that out of your mouth and you, yeah. you've now ex- had another person experience it, no matter what it's changed yeah. that process and it's yeah. allowed it to be viewed in a new light, even if yeah. the other person has no opinion on it. Um, yeah, because the opinion itself, what you, what you're going to do then that isn't helpful, which is why friends aren't always helpful is because they put their take on <laughs> They put their take Through on their your experiences and conditions from their framework. Now yeah. they might have had a whole different set of conditions. So you can have friends that are really rooting for you. So of course you can do that. Of course you can change that. And um, but they're we're only ever seeing anything from our perspective, from our view of the world. Mm-hmm. So initially, it's even the process. Uh, journaling's another one. If you mm-hmm. write down everything that's in your head and just keep writing without editing without making sure it's spelt right and it looks great just write and write and write until it comes out it has the same thing as you remove you're moving through uh, uh into a new process if you articulate it to someone you share what's going on and they let that land in that space without you know you just examine it as though you're looking at you know a rock you've just found as a geologist right. you just look at that situation then it's it might be if somebody starts saying, you know, what I really want is, and you can, you can get someone to go, well, you were there in the past, tell me about that, and you're there now, and then you've got to then look at, so where do you want to be? You know, you don't want that, and then you can, depending on how receptive someone is, it's then looking at the desired future, what they want to construct. Right. If you ask them that, and you get a lot of well yeah but yeah but you know then you're in a different situation you've got to then start challenging what yeah because part of that process is the acceptance of it is the acknowledgement of accepting exactly where it is now yeah not where it was not where it's going to be but where it is now so when we talk about the the photography um you know when I left that I had to then accept that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom uh, and that might be my only future that, you know, because I went from three kids to six kids overnight, that maybe that was my path. And I had to accept that. And then I had to find (laughs) unfolded in a way that you were just not expecting. Right. And then I needed to find gratitude in that, that the acceptance that if this is my destiny is to be a mom, then I'm going to be the best mom that I know how to be. And if, if I am not going to be individualized any further than that, that I have to be grateful that maybe the seeds that I'm planting in these children mm-hmm. are going to be what creates this new legacy. Maybe the legacy has changed and, and to accept and then have gratitude inside of that acceptance. I really feel pushes you, propels you forward into whatever this destined experience this this experience that you you're meant to have that that speaks to your individualism you know that that piece of us that's separated just slightly from the one of how we express it and and allow that to happen it kind of propels you into that situation you know it took a minute because you know you 
you grieve the pro you realize the process, you grieve the process, yeah. you speak out about the process to either on, if you don't have, you know, people, you feel you're confident enough to speak with and you write it out or you speak it out to yourself and in, in, in mirror work. And then, you know, then you have to start accepting it. You know, and that doesn't matter the situation, even if it, you're in a very fearful situation, you have to accept that that is the situation that you're in and that you're going to have to, and be grateful that you acknowledge that you are now seeing the situation for what it is so that you can move forward in a different pattern or a different walking uh, or a different way to, to get you out of that situation. I think though, what you've highlighted also through that example are several things. So you knew as you were getting to a certain point with the photography, you'd set that up. You thought you were going to be doing that for a long time and you've booked the studio. A curveball entered your life that you had not even thought for one moment. I would say about 50 curveballs all at once. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that in a way, you know, we won't, we don't have to say it's a crisis, but in a way, you know, it was a whole big curveball that you had to now entertain that you weren't expecting and sometimes we have to react. We've only got a, a second to decide or 10 seconds mm -hmm. or a minute to decide. Sometimes right. there are situations like that and we react from a, um, from a deep place. So part of the process was, okay, maybe I don't want to do the photography anymore and maybe mm -hmm. serve me a purpose and I got X, Y, and Z out of it. But now this whole life that I wasn't anticipating has just arrived literally on my doorstep and what was interesting in that because it reminded me of something similar that I went through at work once is that the option that you felt you were walking into at the time that was out of your control you had placed in a different hierarchy than um the one that you were in so mm. for example a lot of women may think, okay, I have children, then I'm going to go to work. And um, because we can get our status and a, a large part of our identity and sense of worth through the work that we do, yet we don't realise we're discrediting the role of being a mother and bringing up children and shaping and uh, human lives uh, so that they bring both their gifts, gifts, but also can function in society. And so this has been sort of endemic as well, probably for the last couple of decades, that we have a way of um, dismissing what's going on. And, um, and, and sort of that's that can be part of that acceptance which is not just accepting of this is what's happened to me and how do i um how do i manage this situation now but how do i also reframe it because what what was the same in both of those situations for you is your desire uh to have a legacy to leave something that was better than what had been left before was manifesting through your photography and now had now shifted and was manifesting through your family. Mm -hmm. And now you've got involved in other things, but you didn't know you were going to be getting involved in other things after that. You right. just saw this, this uh, pathway unfolding in front of you that you hadn't even anticipated coming or even asked for. And I remember 
get into a space at work once where I'd been asked, I was running a service that was ticking over really well. And I was asked to be an interim manager and manager of a service that was very early on and it was chaotic and they were going through loads of changes. And there was an option. It got to the point I was doing it for about six months and it was exhausting. It was it was really hard and it was a road to nowhere. And deep down, I knew that I kind of knew how long it would take. Uh, to change things or what was needed to change. And I only had a certain level of control. But in the back of my mind, which possibly is my ego mind, was saying, yeah, but if you let that go, you're going to go back to the service that is ticking over, which was great because I'd created something that I didn't have to worry about 24-7. I could go on holiday and I had really good staff that could do the work. But I'm like, I was bored because I'd, I'd created it to a point that I was almost surplus to requirements. So I was bored and it was like, so in my head, it was like, okay, so I let that go. And I'm going to, because that's all I could see. I'm going to be bored. I'm doing this job and I couldn't see anything else. Or I keep the one that I knew if I stayed doing, actually, I was going to be very ill within about four months because I was already working very long hours, not sleeping well, waking up throughout the night, all of the signs of stress and longer term uh, fatigue and the impact that that was having. And I knew that because I'd gone through something similar in the past, you see. So we've been talking about letting go. Mm-hmm. Well, Torians, I'm Torian take a long time sometimes to recognize when it's at its day and you need to move forward and let it go now thankfully my intuition kicked in really strongly by this stage and I spent about two weeks wrangling over the options that were being presented to me and I decided to tell the people that I worked for that no I didn't think it was a good idea to move forward with some of the plans that they had that equally would have ran me into the ground and and uh, finish me off rather quickly and then I wouldn't have been any good to anybody Uh, instead I chose what looked like the really uninteresting option which within four months a whole new pathway opened up to creating and setting up brand new programs that I did not know was around the corner isn't it wild? You clear the space and new <laughs> exactly. space enters. And it's, it's, it seems it such is a, wild. such a simple concept that we've overcomplicated for yes. you know, generations. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I am grateful for the experiences that I had that led me here because I would have never convinced myself that I was worthy enough, mm. that I was wise enough or that I was clear enough, smart enough, yeah, good enough to get here able and, enough. Exactly. And so, you know, and you've been definitely part of that process for me and the recognition that I am enough in these areas, you know, um, and that's been very, a, a beautiful, a beautiful journey just within itself for, for me. It's like, Oh, you know what? Somebody sees me, somebody hears me. All that's telling me is that I was surrounding myself with the wrong type of people you know, that I was allowing. They're they're the right kind of people to start with. Right. The difference. And and at the place that I was in, then they were promoting me in it and the way I needed to be promoted. And as I grew in this process, 
I realized that that type of promotion was no longer valid for me. I needed something that was inspiring, something that was something different or something, something that that now fed the emerging, um, qualities that you already had, but you didn't know you had them at the time. Right. Or maybe I didn't know I had them, but I had convinced myself that nobody would care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the people I was surrounding myself with did not. Yeah. And, and, and now that I'm in a new place in a new zone, I'm finding support everywhere. I look, I, I, I find that even though I really don't speak, um, on a, in a public gesture way of, of this podcast, you know, because it's still, it's so near and dear to me that I just, you know, I love it. It's the baby. I take care of it. I hold it close. And, um, but, uh, everywhere I look now, I have people coming to me that I might've spoken to about it once in the past and, and just in passing, like, how is that going? I cannot wait to hear, will you please send me the links? I've been waiting. (laughs) And to, to hear that type of response compared to the, is, is anybody here? Am I alone? (laughs) (laughs) It's been wonderful. And you've really been a part of that process for me. You know, the recognition that I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to condition those ways. And maybe you're, what if you had considered for once, Danielle, that none of that was true. And maybe this is the truth. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, that's a thing. And, and I think very simple statement like that is probably one of the most profound things to say to anybody because it's so many people walking around who um, perceive themselves to be however they define themselves to be. And, you know, that journey, I, I, I took that journey a long time ago, starting to what we call deconstruct the the construct that we have of ourselves mm. and who the people are around us because you you can't do philosophy without starting to do that and you can't start training as a therapist without looking at the minutiae of your life it can get a bit ridiculous sometimes but you go into every crevice because every interaction you have with someone is whatever reaction we have to that is telling us something about what's going on so you start to dissect that um you don't want to do it for too long but but you start to dissect it and so the the concept of who am i as a inverted commons woman as um a British woman or as a white multi-heritage woman or as a you know whatever labels we uh, assign ourselves with are usually constructs through the limited language and choices we have available through yes. the culture that we grow up in and we've talked about that before so whatever I came with it might be that what's fed into that is who you are if you if you look at class you know uh, if if you see yourself as working class or as upper class, then that will come with certain idea, ideals and ideologies mm-hmm. about what you can do, what, what your level of maneuverability is within that. And there are people who have emerged. There's more and more now. We used to call them just entrepreneurs and 
there probably will be a new word that uh, emerges because I think there are more of that entrepreneurial spirit coming through that are challenging the notions of who they thought they were and would say, well, do you have to go to uni for four years to get a degree in something that I might not do? Well, yes, I could. That is part that I would of then it. be paying off for the rest of my for life. the rest of my life. And yeah, people are beginning to see that, especially the what it, the generation of the millennials. Yeah, what was it? They only hold four percent of the wealth. Yeah, and do you know how scary that is? Because millennials aren't babies anymore. Millennials are twenties, mid twenties to mid thirties. Yeah, I think I hit a gap. I th- I'm right, right at that cusp of a millennial. I'm not a millennial. I'm, I fall in that generation. I think it's Y, which is like a three to four year generation of why is this happening? <laughs> but um, what we're seeing is that what worked for the generations before the millennials is not working for the millennials. And that means it's then not going to work for the generation below them and the yes. generation b- b- below yeah. them. And, and so we have to find these new outlets to create an a income, a resource that is survivable because going to school for four to eight years, depending. Yeah. And then, you know, and I mean the upper level schools, the university, the colleges, just to go to a job that pays what if pays you the bare minimum and how long do you have to do that because you're the equivalent after that many years of school you're the equivalent of getting the coffee you are that's where you enter after going to that going to school your whole life to that level of yeah you walk into being what a person 20 years ago would have walked in without a degree and earned Mm -hmm. themselves up to that watch when they retired and you might not ever get that watch because now the field is so tight. You and know, so we have to start so creating. Do what? Yeah. Well, it changes so rapidly. And I think that's the other thing is I was listening to um, quite a few podcasts over the last year. Um, the, the industries that we're training people up to go into won't po- po- probably exist and this was pre-COVID, right. um, exist in a couple of years' time because either some of it has been automated or uh, human needs are changing. And what's changing now is, uh, certainly since COVID, is we're thinking about where we live, what we need in the places that we live in. Mm-hmm. And that's also enabling us to reflect on our lives because so many people now have had the opportunity. Right. And what to... do we do if the world shuts down? Yeah. And now we have to create a new existence. Yeah. And so part of that is letting go of this original existence, not only on your personal scale, but on a collective scale, we are walking into this age of technology that is really changing the game in the next, what they say in the next 20 years, we're going to surpass any type of, of technology gain, um, that we've ever had in, in before. And so what does that tell you? Well, that tells me that we're going to have more automated systems. We're going to have more AI. We're going to walk into these fast food restaurants and maybe see one human and that yeah. human might be cleaning a restroom or they might be, and that's then, then give it another 20 years. And then we'll have AI for that. You know, we might have a, a manager that's there so that they can turn on the systems or regulate the systems if something goes haywire. And that's going to require a different level of training. So when we're walking into these things that we now need to let go of, which is the insistence that we got to keep people in certain placements, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, if you don't have a degree, then you get to go work for fast food. Or if you are this, then you're going to go work at a, at a, a grocery store and not ever. And there is no glass ceiling because 
there's a top right there and that's the manager and that's as far as you get. Um, and so what's happening is we're having to begin to not only let go of this insistence of the way it's been, yeah. but also accept that we are now in a transitional period of what is it that you want to do? What there's cracks everywhere in society. What crack do you want to fill? And, and what are you going to bring to the table inside of that? And, and allow this collective, the collective to catch up into, into that arena, which is we have to be more creative, more thoughtful about what we can't just go to, go to school, get a job that dad had and then retire. That's no longer really viable for a lot of people. Now it, because people can't afford school, people can't get into the schools that they can't afford. They, you know, or they can't get the job because they went to the school that they could afford. So what does that lead you to? That leaves you to an all, uh, this online arena. And this online arena has a lot of gaps to fill. And we're starting to, you can start to see that we're starting to do that. And even though these larger companies are, are taking that first step, I'm really noticing small, small and medium-sized businesses coming through. As much as Amazon can be a pain in the, in the butt, and when we think of you know all the negative sides of things, they are definitely... Helping well, they these. set a standard. I mean, they certainly changed the approach. It, you know, it, when it comes to me ordering something and not having to go three miles because the postman came when I was out at work to mm -hmm. then go and pick my parcel up to the fact that I can just go to the corner shop to uh, deliver it back to, you know, Amazon exactly. or or they we're working from home more now so we don't have to you know so the sometimes companies come in and it can you know there can be pluses and minuses but they can set a new standard that actually we didn't know was possible and they did so now we have these small and medium-sized businesses and so we we would have stuck with the old stem and i've yeah and i would have seen that um say like the post office would have carried on offering us the same shoddy service and we that was the only option we had mm -hmm. until these other companies came in and now you now I don't even if I forget to buy something at the shop I don't even have to do an online shop now and order 50 grocery items I can get Uber Eats to go to the shop and bring me back a can of tomato ketchup or something right. you know so the whole notion of what we can do but I think this is going back to your point about letting go. So part of if we look at this as a collective consciousness is we are in a we've been in a place with the last year where it's been incredibly, um, you know, that curveball. It was a curveball. It came out of nowhere for a lot of people. It's uh, activated the stress and crisis response for a lot of people. And then as things stabilized a bit and we realized what was going on. It, for those that survive it and manage this or the ones that have gone inside themselves and stopped all the external noise of what friends and families think on everything and started to be able to really think deeply about the way life is a, a sort of is happening from month to month because a, a fair amount of people were able to work from home that wouldn't have been allowed to work from home before. Right. And they started to understand what quality of life can look like mm. and what happens when you're not spinning from one thing to the next because we were almost spinning out of control. And right. so that deeper reflection then puts you in touch then with the little 
insights and inklings inside of you that are your gifts and your um, things that you can bring to the table. And I've never seen, because we can look at the whole scenario over the last year from only a negative lens. And like what you said, we can see these big companies where it's a conglomerate when actually we're seeing small companies and grassroots organizations emerging and finding their feet. I've never seen so much creativity it's wonderful Ever. in I'm my in life. Love with it. And I know that 2020 was hard hmm. on so many different levels. And I know that there's still people picking up the pieces of what yeah. 2020 left for them. And I'm not negating any of that, but of I course. will say if we look at the bigger picture mm-hmm. and we zoom out maybe 10 years from now, 2020 was necessary for people to make that shift and for people to start thinking about what's important to them, what is going to fulfill them, be, be that being in a relationship, in a career, in self, and the way that they parent, and the way that they interact, and the way that they hold yeah. everything. It, it's going to be this tangible moment in the world's existence that said things have to change. Mm. And I really am beginning to see these people emerging that were just in this monotony of day-to-day life. I wake up, I eat, I get the kids ready. I go to work. I come home. I get the kids ready. I take them to practice. I come, I get fast food on the way home. I come home, I give them the baths. Then I lay down and I watch a movie or I watch a TV show or I play on my, my phone. Well, that's no, that's no longer it was all disrupted, wasn't it? it all of it. We yeah. barely have, you know, even though there are sports going on in the States, yeah, it's, it's still massively changed. It's changed everything. I can't get one of my kids on a team because there's not enough teams and uh, there's not enough coaches for teams. There's not wow. enough people wanting to play. And so that's something new. Wow. Um, you know, the way that we interact with the schools is different now, yeah. you know, teachers the way are- they teach has shifted. They, they realize you can actually do a proportion of online teaching. Exactly. They're also realizing the value of kids being in the class and what age groups work. And I best. think parents are realizing that as well, <laughs> that, you know, we had put in, we had put so much and I don't know about the UK, but I do know in the States, uh, teachers are very undervalued, especially in a few of the States. And I happen to be in one of the States we have that. So that, you know, obviously I'm not counting the territories, but you're talking about the 50 States, Oklahoma ranks in the bottom five and has. And part of that is because of the way we pay our teachers. Mm. And then we have all these expectations on what these teachers should be capable of in this short amount of time while we have classroom sizes of 35 people. Yeah. And then, you know, so when we brought these kids home, say you have, say you have two kids, I'm going to say three because three was the, because most of my kids were my, my, my bio children are, were older so they could do their own work. Now mm. the littler ones I had to help. Yeah. There is no way I could be a teacher in that. And I think a lot of parents, I don't have the patience. I, it's not my type of under, it's not my type of smart. It's not Uh, what I'm academic, but don't get me sitting down with a seven-year-old trying to teach them math or basic math skills, because I'm, I'm probably going to be too far ahead or I'm going to have completely lost all math skills. And all of a sudden I don't know (laughs) what alienated children. (laughs) And so we found ourselves actually being more 
honoring of this work that our teachers do again. <laughs> Pay them more, take them back. Right. Please take my children. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually remember, I know this is sidetracking a little bit from, from the theme that we're, we're covering, which is around letting go, but but also it is on the theme of letting go because that's letting go of expectations. And That's I exactly heard, what I'm, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what we had to several, stop expecting so much from people. So much of teachers and also gratitude for yes. the, the work that they do. Yeah. And I, I had some sense of that when I when I did a stint of working in schools for uh, five years was my main key skin uh, stint. And, uh, you know, just trying to deliver the, the nice stuff that I was delivering, you know, I brought the nice stuff in um, for an hour with a group of 30 kids. Mm. And I would have a teacher come with me to help her help me facilitate that. Right. I wasn't doing it on my own and it was exhausting. And with some groups, it, it functioned much better because of the way the kids were in other groups. You know, it was like playing the Bobbit game. One gets up, the other, they sit down, the other one gets up, they sit down. And <laughs> so I got some sense of appreciation about that. But I saw this and heard this a lot last year, parents like on radio shows and everything take my kids back I also think the reflection is there because I do think the teachers have found more gratitude in in the parents and us and showing that we really are trying to to take on what we can and and we still you know we have this this job this existence Mm. that we live out lead outside of the school Mm. and you know the kids going to school and and so there's been this beautiful well, letting go of expectation so that we can bring in yeah. more gratitude. Yeah. And it's been, a, 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 even though 2020 was quite the journey and oh, people God. are still inside of that journey, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that journey has been um, necessary for a collective reason to, to push ourselves into this newer. And we had to let go of the things we once thought we had to be and the way things had to work because we've realized in that letting go, we didn't have an option. You talked about crisis. Well, that was a crisis for a lot of people. You know, you couldn't go to work. You couldn't get out of your house. You couldn't even go to the grocery store without a mask, without gloves for a while. And, and now, you know, we had to let go of those processes and find new ways of doing it. And And it's been every fact. And I think the difference is, is on the individual level, sometimes we have some choice in where we bring that in, but this has been massive in terms of every aspect of society. And it is Mm. different in different countries as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Of thinking about uh, whether kids can go to school or not during this and how are they taught or how are they being supported at home? It brought a big uh, level of awareness to so many professionals I work with that have a really good understanding of children, families and socioeconomic issues mm-hmm. didn't realize that families only have one laptop. So if you're trying to teach your kids at home and you're sharing one laptop, how on earth are you doing that? So it's they rough. started talking about digital poverty or yeah. that they can't access Wi-Fi. So if we're going to move our system into the future, what the government have a big responsibility to do is to enable that. If we mm-hmm. want kids to be taught 
we have to think realistically about yeah. is it five why is it five lessons a day right. why did they start at this time and finish that time why is it monday to friday why it's does anybody work them. it's to condition them for their 40 hour work week when they graduate well it's that <laughs> but <laughs> and that probably worked in the 1920s and 1940s absolutely it did. like nine to five why i i was saying this for a few years to people if the roads are really really busy at eight and nine o'clock because everyone's going to work at the same time why is every business open eight or nine o'clock when a proportion of companies have global businesses that operate in all sorts of times? How come I can't let, and we are starting to do that where I am. I've, and I've already agreed with my boss, you know, that I want to, I function really well first thing in the morning. Then I fidget and I have to get up and do something else for an hour. Then I go back to my work and I might nip out in the afternoon because I want to go for a walk in the sunshine. Right. Then I have something to eat and then I might log on for a couple of hours now. But the quality of work is different, isn't it? Quality you work are is not different. burned out from staring at a computer or constantly yes. having to work this one, one part of your brain. If you get up and move, yeah, if you move around, if you do different things, if you work in short bursts, it yeah. seems to be overall, now this isn't everybody overall that there's more effective work being done. And if yeah. not more yeah. overall work being done, because yeah. you're, you're able to focus in short bursts and then get up and go take care of something and then come back and then you're focused again. Yeah. And, that, uh, and it's kind of something they have talked about in research, but as usual, what's in research takes a long time to get into general population. But I was I was lucky that I was able to stipulate that and what I'm helping other organizations think about. And I am seeing that more and more because I think organizations have also learned is one, if you trust your staff, they probably are going to be productive mm -hmm. and actually deliver more than what you expect. Yeah. And if you allow them to have work-life balance, as in you take your kids to school and you log on when you get back, you yes. don't have them racing through traffic because they've got to get there for spot on yep. nine o'clock clock now most people will attempt to start and open their laptop and get to the meeting at that right. time right. you know so it's all of these all of these sorts of control mechanisms that may have been working in the factories because this all come from um you know the industrialization Indus yeah the revolution of industry industry so yeah of industry exactly yeah. and you wanted everyone to start at the right time and finish at the right time and part of this also is some of this stuff goes really deep that even i might not have i've noticed things over the years but um i might have thought why do we do it like that and why do we so we can do it to some degree I did it a lot over who am I and what's my identity and where did these labels come from and what messages did I receive as a child mm. that told me about what I was capable of and not capable of and who's reinforced that? Where is that being reinforced further down the line? How have I managed to start challenging that? Now, these were all layers already, but now right. we're going into a whole different layer. Like, why is it I have to go and talk to another person when I you know, I don't go to McDonald's actually very much, but if I go to any uh, establishment that's like that, when actually some of them are brought out this thing that I compress and I, don't, I have to interact with another human being. Now, there is something about interacting with human beings that I like, but I like doing that in other places. In different you know, ways. And there's still interaction. Ways. 
and yeah. you're not really meant to truly interact with your bartender or truly interact with yeah. the table because person. they're working so fast right. even if they want to have a conversation with you in and out is what yeah. it's meant to be and yeah. so let's you know but let's let's harness that yeah and so I think you know you you've given me a little bit of an idea that, you know, if we are in a process of letting go of something, if we're starting to acknowledge that something is no longer valid in the journey that we're taking, let's, I am always telling people to look internally, but sometimes Mm. an external example is great. So take yourself out of that and give yourself an external example and find how easy it is to pick that apart Mm. and say, okay, here's where you had an option where you could have turned this way. Here's another option where you could have gone telling myself now that I have options. Let's re-examine it. If it was easy for me to dissect an external place of letting go where I can say, this is a place that needed to let go and here's how they did it, or here's how they didn't do it. And then use that as a reference for how you would like to see yourself do it. Then maybe that would put you in a little bit more of a, an understanding that you can do this in a methodical way and in an analytical way. And it doesn't have to be all emotion-based and it's hard to, it's easier said than done because there always is emotion and things that you love, but there is, but Going back to the point I made earlier is like the process you talked about. There is no force to make a decision. So Mm. you might for ages be thinking, oh, I'm not happy, satisfied. I think I want to move on, get a new job, whatever. Um, But nobody's forcing you to actually make a decision about Mm -hmm. that. And often we put pressure on ourselves, especially like what you said, the moment you tell a group of friends that you're doing X, then it's almost like you've got to live up to that and you can't change your mind. And actually that's not true. The process itself is about being honest with yourself and Mm -hmm. identifying it. Whether you you act on it or not is less material, unless it's a crisis, unless it's damaging your mental health, unless it's putting you at risk or putting your children at risk or your family at risk or something like that. You don't have to do anything about it. And sometimes when you allow yourself to think that, that then frees you up because by focusing on the conflict or the indecision actually keeps you stuck. If you say, you know what, I just accept where I am and it's okay I'm not sure I don't know I'm not going to keep looking for uh references that tell me I should stay or I should go because often it's should I stay should I go Um, (laughs) (laughs) got the song in my head now (laughs) got the song exactly so it's that's bit's not important and that's the kind of advice I've said to friends you're not happy you're dissatisfied but you have a choice yeah if you stay in it accept it this is how it's probably going to look surrender 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 Surrender. so sometimes because I'm mindful as I'm saying this it it's not that it's hard or difficult but sometimes there are things that we do and the lens that we look through at it and the tools that we apply it's a bit like applying a blunt knife when you're a chef to, you know, um, creating something in the kitchen. You know, you need to sharpen your knife or you need a different tool. And so sometimes you would just have to try different tools to mm-hmm. um, help you think something through. One of the key things that I pretty much teach anyone I come into contact with, you know, whether I'm doing it through work or just I'm inspired to say so is 
getting to that place of feeling into what this feels like and often if you feel if there's a choice coming towards you that you feel excited and enlightened and light about and it just feels easy that can be a sign of moving in that direction um but we can complicate that because we spend so time so much time delivering deliberating over it often our first reaction is usually the the reaction that we need to take notes of but we have a reaction that we're not expecting and then we go no no it can't be true and then we get into conflict Mm. but recognizing that there's a process involved that will start to take shape the moment you start to place your thoughts on what the truth of what the scenario is and what worries you about it or whatever whether you choose to do anything or not because the letting go process will naturally start to occur and it really does. Um, even if it's so, even if that letting go is more along the lines of letting go of an expectation or letting yes. go of a control and less letting of go letting of a decision. Go, yeah. Instead of letting go of the person or the thing, yeah, it, it, it really, it, it will kind of, it just has a tendency to even itself out and smooth that chaotic interference that you're feeling by needing to make the decision by needing to have that choice to make to needing to take a step and just allow yourself to surrender to the moment that you're in and and I you are spot on yeah well and I think you're right it is that um that's then why surrender becomes a more poignant word for me yeah because the letting go sounds like because there's always a sort of opposite of keeping or letting go sounds like an action you've got to take when really it might just be acceptance and facing the truth Mm -hmm. of what is coming to you and then surrendering to that and the next step could be if you're not sure what to do is you just either ask your own unconscious mind or your higher power or whatever you believe in or just become the observer the witness and allow that standstill to make the choices for you because actions and things always have a way of unfolding in front of you to allow that decision to become a non-decision and more of just the next step that you take. And, and that's really beautiful in that. Um, but before we wrap this up, I have to tell you two things. First off, I can't leave the segment without allowing everybody to let it go, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> And then the second thing is, um, there has to be something because I breathed in and swallowed the gnat. And so, uh, at towards the beginning of this segment, the gnat that was bothering me, so I, maybe that's telling me that, uh, you're bigger than any of the issues or any of the annoyances in your life, the distractions it's simple as taking a deep breath and maybe it's gone. So So, Daniela, another uh, interesting uh, episode looking at um, letting go and all the different processes that we've uh, um, talked about that can help us do that. And that sometimes it's quite simple and sometimes it can seem quite complex. And letting go on an individual level as well as a collective level that has probably become more predominant in people's minds over the last year. So, um, this is possibly not the first time we're going to visit this as a, as a no. topic, as we're transitioning from what's gone on in 2020 and 
we're at the very early days of uh, really seeing what the impact that's been on people's lives. But as I said earlier, you know, um, the beautiful moments for me, the ones that often stand out more because we can we can get caught in looking at the problems and the difficulties and the uh, sad things that happen. And equally, we're not dismissing that. And that's important. But the beautiful, uh, like inspired actions that were taken whether people set up zoom groups to support each other or you know uh, started knitting or some kind of new activity or exercising at home a whole range of other things that people wouldn't have necessarily even thought about but that were almost uh shot out of them as a as an idea to just forward with the the level of creativity that I've seen in the process has been absolutely stunning and I think if we had a lot every one of the people that did something like that last year we could probably find out that pretty much none of them had that idea 10 minutes before you know there was a process in which that almost like the cork of the bottle was released and everything was released in that process. There's always beauty inside of chaos. Beauty inside of chaos. And even though part of that chaos is scary and some of it's heartbreaking and some of it is grieving worthy 100%, the takeaway um, is more of a positive experience in a lot of people's worlds because they, they were able to surrender to the chaos that was going on outside of them and inside of that chaos that they re- they released and surrendered into they became this creative being and part of that creation is going to be heard in the echoes of generations to come so. yeah i i yeah it's the reverberation almost isn't it it's like throwing the stone into the pond mm. and we're starting to see the ripples, starting to see the ripples um, on a much bigger magnitude of how every facet of everything that we've ever been and done and so for people that are feeling sad and reflecting on things that once was that maybe don't look the same anymore they're on that journey towards letting go of those expectations and the vision that they created thinking that that was going to remain the same. And there'll be other people that felt that way and have moved on already and already started to realize that there are facets of them that have beautifully been um, activated and triggered. And what a beautiful way to get, uh, you know, a beautiful experience to have is to get triggered uh, and inspired to, to really start living according to what actually you love to do you know whether that is playing guitar going roller skate or whatever anything but I'm just conscious before we end because we started off with the meditation thinking about uh, what it is the life that we want to create so the process of also moving yourself in the direction of that is not necessarily getting caught in the detail of what exactly that's going to look like but it might be the feeling you know of if I was to say that to you now is if you imagine the way that you feel now or some sense of the things that feel good or the way that you feel when you do feel good or you feel joy or you feel peace is as you take your visual visualizations towards that desired future what does that um future 
look like? What does it feel like? What's going on? And at some moment, allow yourself to immerse in that process because what that does then is rather than the brain searching for evidence that you're not safe, the brain can now start for searching for evidence that looks like the desired future. Yes. The manifest.